0: my name is vian for those of you who don't know me i'm the pastor and it's a real honor and a privilege to be here tonight and to break open the word of god for us and we're going to speak tonight about rooted part three speaking about prayer we're going to speak about prayer and for those of you new here, we're busy with a sermon series called rooted where we discover what are the things that god has called us to to be rooted in so that we can grow Many times we focus too much on the goals we set and we never ask the question about how can I grow and why do I want to grow? And if the house of growth and the motivation behind why we want to grow isn't considered, then it falls flat fairly quickly. We start quick, but we end just as quick. And what should have been a a marathon turned out to be a sprint and the result wasn't quite there. And today we're going to speak about part three prayer, but before I begin. Let me just open for us in prayer. Yes, Lord, thank you that you are good, Lord. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are present. Thank you that you are moving in hearts, Lord. And today, Father, we come and set aside every idea and conception we have, Lord, when it comes to prayer, Lord. And we ask anew, Lord, for you to come and teach and guide us through your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. And as Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Thank you that your word is truth, Lord. Sanctify us in your truth. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. Thank you, Father, for your glorious will. You are worthy of it all. And we pray that in Jesus name. Amen. So we are spending this time in prayer. The last two sermons we did on spending time in the word of God and in fellowship, and that's so beautifully in Acts two verse. 42 we read a scripture and says about the early church that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the word of God to prayer and to fellowship and the breaking of breads they continued steadfastly in it that is what they devoted themselves to and what's so beautiful about this first three topics that we discussed is that whenever you are busy with the one it will inevitably lead you to the other two if you are rooted in godly community hopefully they continuously point you to the word of God and to prayer If you spend time in God and you are rooted in prayer, it will lead you to the word of God and to Godly fellowship. And if you are rooted in the word of God, it will cause you to pray and it will lead you to congregation, to fellowship and to community. And to reflect on last week, as well as we spoke about community, as we spoke about fellowship, I want to ask us a question. The people that you surround yourself with most Are they people that continuously encourage you to love, faith, and good works? Are they continuously encouraging you to spend time in the Word and to spend time in prayer? And are you doing that for the people that are in fellowship with you? Important question to ask. But now to focus on on prayer. And there's two things that I hope that become clear to us tonight as we speak about this topic and one is the necessity to be rooted in prayer, the necessity, the importance of it to understand what will happen if we are not rooted in prayer and to understand the effects of what will happen if we are. And then secondly, also to consider the motivation behind why we pray. Why is it that we want to be rooted in prayer? And with that we have to ask the question, for some of us sitting here, has there been a time where you say to yourself, now I'm going to be devoted to prayer. I'm going to give myself fully. This is the season where I learn how to pray. And so beautifully, like Jesus' disciples coming to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. Not primarily how to pray, but to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. We see this truth of Jesus life how he regularly spends time in prayer and we want that to be true of our own lives. Have you ever made that commitment? Have you ever had that desire? And are you still continuing in that devotion? Are you still running that race or have you given up? And then we have to ask ourselves if those who have endured, why did they endure? What is it that they understand? What is it that they realize? And for those who didn't endure, who began quick and ended just as quick, why was that? What's the case? What is it that we need to understand? What is it that we didn't grasp? Important for us to understand when it comes to the area of prayer. You see, Jesus makes the following statement in Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, just before he tells a, a parable and just to pause here at verse 1 for a while. And it says there, and he told him a parable to the effect. That they ought always to pray and not lose heart so we see what we should do that's clear we should always pray and never lose heart we should be rooted in prayer but sometimes we miss the detail of the story we miss the motivation behind that why is it that we need to do this and something that's so interesting for me in a lot of the parables that jesus tells the disciples have to ask him afterwards lord what did you mean by that we don't understand the parable. We don't understand what the point of it was. And here, Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you to be confused at all. I don't want you to misinterpret this one. I want to make it clear what the point is that I want to get across here. To make it clear to the effect of demarc, the Afrikaans say, that we always need to pray and not lose heart. And two things that we can immediately conclude from this verse is that firstly, Mankind in general struggles when it comes to prayer. Otherwise, Jesus would not have encouraged us to always pray. He would would have simply said, continue as you are, continuing already. But we are passive, we are lazy, we are sluggish when it comes to the area of being devoted to prayer in general. And the second thing that we notice is that there will be a temptation to lose heart. There will be a temptation to give up. It is not something that happens quickly. If you want to start tonight, you're not going to simply be there. It's just going to be this wonderful transforming time. Now you're going to first have to break up hard ground, water the soil, plant the seeds, and eventually the fruit will come. But no Christian growth springs up overnight. It is going to take time. Like we saw in the first one, the moment something just springs up immediately it's because there was no depth of soil. There was no root. But wherever there's deep ground, wherever there's roots that go down deep, it takes a while for us to bear fruit. It Doesn't just simply happen overnight. So let's read the parable and see what we can learn from it. And the first thing that we have to notice is that this verse starts with and. The word and, meaning it links parallel statements together. When Jesus says, Go into the world, go and make disciples of nations and teach them and baptize them. Don't only go on a vacation, but go and tell the people about the good news of the gospel. Baptize them, teach them all that Jesus has taught you. So, although this is the first verse in a new chapter, it is still attached to a previous statement. There's a context, there's a reason why Jesus told this parable and we'll get to that in a moment let's read through it and see what we can learn and verse 2 says the following he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying give me justice against my adversary for a while he refused but afterwards he said to himself though I neither fear God nor respect man Yet because of this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by a continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, will the son of man come? Will he find faith on the earth? You see, in the first thing that Jesus does, he addresses a misconception that we, re- we regularly have when it comes to prayer. You see, in the context and the culture of Jesus' day, the widow resembles someone that has no influence. Has no place in society. is not respected. is not seen by the people around her. Moved to the side. Sat somewhere. It doesn't matter that you come and voice yourself because no one will hear you. And Jesus is saying many times we relate in the same way to God when it comes to prayer. The enemy has sold you the lie that when you approach God, you come to him on the basis of a widow. No authority. No reason for God to listen to you. It doesn't matter that you bother him. He doesn't respect you. He doesn't see you at all. And if you're sitting at tonight, have you felt that way about prayer somewhere in your life? because God saying that that might be the case in this parable, but not so with God. And even in the widow's case, the judge heard her eventually. She got an answer to her prayer because she persisted and she persevered. And Jesus is saying it's not so with God. He's not an unrighteous judge. He's a righteous father. And I tell you that he will give justice and he will do so speedily. And telling to the people that here, I stand the son of God on my way to be crucified for you. How much more? Will God not answer the prayers of those who cry out to him day and night? God is not an old grumpy man sitting in heaven with no regard for what we do. And we say, no, he will give justice and he will do so speedily for those who cry out night and day. That is the first misconception that Jesus comes and challenges us with here. And say, come to the throne of grace boldly on the finished work of Christ on the cross. But if we cry out to God, who did not spare his only son, but sent him to die for us, he will answer us and he will do so speedily. And then we see this last statement here and we wonder to ourselves, but what has this to do with the parable that was just told? Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And immediately we make the connection that, okay, for me to have faith, when Jesus comes to me or when I go to him, I'm going to have to persevere in prayer. That's the logical connection. The thing that will define whether I have faith or not, when Jesus comes or whether I go to him is whether I would be rooted in prayer whether I continued in prayer and did not lose heart. That much is clear, but see, here's where we have to go to the context of what was just said of what happened before Jesus told the parable. And that is the Pharisees coming to Jesus and asking him, when will the kingdom of God come? Can you imagine asking that to the son of God standing before you? And Jesus says to them, basically, you are so spiritually passive and you are so misled and you have taken your eyes off God. To the effect that the kingdom of God, the king and his righteousness are standing right in front of you, but you are unable to see it. Jesus says the kingdom is in your midst. The king is standing in front of you. Yet you're asking him when the kingdom of God will come. Can you imagine that? So spiritually passive, so misled, so focused on other things. Unable to perceive the son of God standing in front of you. And it happened on more than one occasion. Don't know who of you remember the story of. The Pharisees coming to Jesus and saying to him, why does our disciples fast and the disciples of John fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus tells them, how can they fast when the bridegroom is with them? The thing that you're hungering and thirsting for is standing in front of you. Are you unable to see that? It's like searching for your glasses while they're on your head. Don't know who've done that before. Searching for your phone while it's in your hand. Asking Jesus, the one whom they fasting for, the salvation of God to come, asking him why the people that are with him doesn't fast. Unable to see. And Jesus says, it is true now and it will be true again when the Son of God comes again. When Jesus comes again, the same will be true. The times and the people will be characterized by spiritual passivity and they will be so misled that they won't know when he comes like a thief in the night and he uses the following two examples verse 22 and verse 23 and it says the following and he said to his disciples the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man and you will not see it and they will say to you look there or look here do not go out or follow them deception will abound And then the same story that Jesus tells in Matthew 24, the same parable, he says false prophets and false teachers will arise and they will lead many astray. And that's why it's so important for us to spend time in prayer to cry out to God day and night to ensure that we are not misled and to take heed unto the things that we hear. The people that we listen to so-called teachers of God proclaiming the word of Christ, but the gospel they preach is not biblical. Even in this town, the prosperity gospel everywhere around us, follow Jesus and he will fix everything. Follow Jesus and he will give you what your heart desires. That is not the gospel. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. You will be persecuted. Not a gospel that says, hey, look at all the wonderful things Jesus can give you. Won't you follow him? No, that Jesus is worthy and he's enough. And even if I have nothing else, I will lay down my life and follow him. And sometimes we wonder, how is it that people get so lost, so astray in Jesus time, he came as well and said, in vain, do you hold the traditions of men? And you don't teach the word of God. And you wonder to yourself, how is it that people get so lost, so astray? The parable of the lost sheep, how is it that he wanders away? And it's by looking down, not focusing on Christ, and eating every bit of grass before you step by step bite by bite and when you look up again you lost and Jesus is saying to save God against the deception that's going to come cry out to God day and night to give justice against our adversary and we'll see in a moment who that is and then Jesus uses another example in verse 26 and 27 he says the following just as it was in the days of Noah So will it be in the days of the son of man They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the interesting thing is when we look at the description given of the people back then, we read in Genesis six, five, and it says the continuous thought and intention of the heart of man was on evil continuously. They did no good thing. Sexual immorality abounded violence death destruction but jesus doesn't use that example you see even the people that were just going around minding their normal day business but that were spiritually passive they also didn't enter they were also destroyed good things given by god but not done unto him lost focus the inability to cry out night and day to god and they were lost the same example in verse 28 and 29 likewise just as it was in the days of lot they were eating and drinking buying and selling planting and building but on the day when lot went out from sodom fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all and again we know of the immorality in the days of sodom we know of the wickedness We know of the fruit of sin that they bought, but God said, This is the root of it. A people spiritually passive that are not crying out night and day to God. And then Jesus gives us something to remember. And he says in verse 32 and 33 the following Remember, Lord's wife. Remember, Lord's wife. Whoever seeks to persevere his life will lose it, but whoever loses, his life will keep it. And what Jesus is saying is, He says, Don't look back. Don't get distracted. Don't get misled. Don't look back. Don't allow the world to tempt you with all of the good things that it has to offer. Keep your eyes fixed on God and continue to run by crying out night and day in prayer to God. Don't look back. Keep on running persevere don't let the things of the world distract you keep the mission of God in front of you you see one of the reasons why we so easily lose heart when it comes to prayer is because we view prayer in the wrong way prayer is not primarily there for our comfort it's there for the mission of God Time of prayer is not the comfort of man but it is the mission of God it is not for us to cry out night and day for Lord, please make us more comfortable. But Lord, let justice abound. That is the cry of the widow and it's a cry that echoes the heart of God. Lord, let justice abound. And she cries out against her adversary. Who is our adversary? You see the Greek word there in Luke three Ach, Luke 18 verse three adversary. Antidikos, it's only found one other place in the Greek New Testament and that is in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and it says be sober minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, be sober minded, be watchful, how Colossians 4 be watchful in prayer, keep alert and keep awake in prayer. Your adversary, the devil is walking around. You see the adversary that we cry out against night and day and for God to relieve us and to give us justice is threefold. And it is the sinful nature in us. We say, Lord, relieve. May we follow you. And it is the temptation of the world around us. And it is the enemy actively against us. That is who we cry out night and day. Lord, give justice. And who to the person that cries out for justice, but their life is not marked by justice. Yourself not living a righteous life. Do not cry out for righteousness. That is for God's people to say, Lord, give us justice. And when we say that the prayer that we are praying is come, Lord Jesus, come. Because on the day that he comes, justice will abound. And every right will be made wrong. Every wrong will be made right he will deliver us and he will set everything back to the way that it's supposed to be but to cry out day and night come lord jesus come give justice and the temptation is going to be then jesus says do not lose heart persevere press through and that is the necessity of prayer to keep us from being misled to keep us from being spiritually passive to not look back but to keep our eyes fixed on God. See, Jesus is saying the life of faith is marked by a life of prayer. He cannot say we are people of faith, but we are not a people of prayer it doesn't work that way. The moment we stop moving forward in our prayer lives, the same moment we start moving backwards when it comes to faith. But it will not be sustained. The only thing that will sustain faith until the day that Jesus Christ comes back is a life devoted to prayer. Crying out to God night and day. And while it keeps us from being misled and while it keeps us from being spiritually passive and while it keeps us in the faith, it is still not the reason why we pray. The reason why we pray is a little bit deeper than that. And I end off was with that reason. Psalm 116 verse two. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long. As I have breath. Come on, can we just pause there for a moment? Can this truth and this revelation just sink in? That because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, when I start to pray, the Almighty, Sovereign, Holy God who created everything bends down and listens. Can that truth quickly just sink in for a moment? That when we pray, we are not just rehearsing empty words, but we have the attention of God Almighty. Can that revelation sink in? That is why I pray. That is why I will call on his name as long as I have breath. Because even in of myself, I have no good thing. But because of Jesus Christ, he bends down and he listens. What a thought. What a thought. And then to be rushed in prayer while God himself stands still to give time. How can I not be devoted to prayer? And this doesn't happen overnight. Jesus is saying, don't lose heart. But cry out night and day, knowing that he is listening. And there's a lot of beautiful benefits, like scripture says. Prayer shuts the mouth of lions. It quenches fire. It calms the winds and the waves. It Puts foreign armies to flight. It holds the sun in its course. And while that is the power and the effect of prayer, that is not the reason why we pray. But the overwhelming thought that God, who created everything, bends down to listen. Now that's there's something inside of me and that causes me to be devoted. That motivates me like nothing else will. That is why I call out day and night. Because God listens day and night that song that we just sung day and night let incense arise revelation speaks about this great bowl of incense before the throne of God that is the prayers of the saints arising before God as a pleasing aroma oh man how it pleases him day and night let incense arise let's stand tonight and pray together yes lord father thank you lord that we can come before you tonight lord and the first thing lord we want to ask is lord have mercy lord extend grace lord for your church lord how we have neglected such a great privilege that we have forgotten lord that we have lost sight father of who you are how is it possible father for people to understand that you've been down to listen yet we are not devoted to prayers lord have mercy lord give grace and lord we pray father that you would come give a revelation in our hearts lord the privilege we have father of who we communing with lord it is not dead words of tradition father whispered at the dinner table but it is fellowship with god almighty Am may that transform our lives Lord and we ask Lord like the disciples Lord teach us to pray teach us to pray Lord and we know that the temptation will be there to lose heart Father but we say that we are not of those who lose heart Lord but we are of those who endure Lord we have faith and endure if you are standing here tonight and you realize that you have neglected prayer you you You've missed the point. And we rarely cry out for the things we need, but rarely do we commune with God. If that is you, and you see tonight that you are neglecting communion with God Almighty, just there where you stand, lift your voice to God. So, Lord, I repent and I return. I will not be like, Lord, wife, Lord. I will not look back, but I lift my eyes to you. And if you are standing here tonight and you've never been devoted to prayer, tell God, Lord, stir something up in my heart, Lord. Teach me to pray. And if you don't know God at all, just there where you stand, because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, if you confess your sins there and then where you stand, He will forgive you your sins and ask Him to pour out His Spirit upon you so that you can walk in His ways. If you don't know what to pray, raise your hand and someone will come and pray with you. But don't stand there passively. Don't allow this word of God to be preached tonight and the grace of God to be given yet. Next week comes and you're still the same person. And next year comes and you're still the same person. Move tonight. Shake off that passivity. Begin to pray. Raise your voice to God. But don't just stand. Just stand there. May we not be like the people that just stand around, eat, drink, build, plant. But may we move. May we look to God. May we cry out night and day. Thank you, Lord, for hearts, Lord, that's changed tonight. Thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that we don't preach behavior modification. The message is not to try harder, but it's to look to God. And you will give grace, Lord. To not deal with fruits, Lord, but to get to the root of the problem. That is our devotion unto you. Teach us to pray, Lord. Thank you for every prayer that went up tonight, Lord. Thank you for every heart that returned to you. Thank you for every eyes, Lord, that's busy looking up and fixing their eyes on Jesus. May you give us grace, Lord, so that we can continue the good work that you started in us Lord bring it to completion we pray it in Jesus name Amen